the IZ Robot Stuck at Home Show. Hey kids, it is me, it's your dude, I swear I we're back for another super exciting, super fun episode of the Stuck at Home Show. That's the one where like, I don't know man, we're getting near, hopefully we're getting near the end of this thing that's been going on for a long time now, but at this time we still, we still gotta keep our spirits high, we still gotta stay strong, the fight's not over yet, we're in it to win it. This is me, like I said, and I... I have the very last of my uh, Christmas presents right here in front of me, and I'm going to open it. I'm going to open it with you guys. Excuse me while I reach over there and get it. It is an Invisible Man 8-inch action figure with 14 points of articulation by the Mego Corporation. It is... It's number 9,755 out of um, 10,000. It's really... Really up there. It has some nice packaging art. You can see a nice drawing of the Invisible Man here on the side with with his sunglasses on. Let's uh let's pop this open. Man, we're not even a minute into the show. And we're already popping things open, dude. Things are really jumping off here at the IC Robots Earth Base. It's it's been kind of like a mellow week. Real mellow, not a lot going on. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. Um I hope that you guys enjoyed the uh this boring life. Those are pretty intensive, pretty labor-intensive, so I definitely had hope that you enjoy it. A lot of production goes in there, a lot of thought, a lot of research. I gotta dig deep into my mind. I gotta dig deep down in there and see what kind of things I can remember from way back in the days of yore. And sometimes, sometimes I leave, like, with a headache. You can see, like, lightning bolts pointing at my head and stuff. Just, just from the amount of focus that it takes. Okay, there, we've, um, we've vamped enough, we've killed enough. We've killed enough time. I keep I keep a tight schedule on this show. You guys don't even know how uh, how I'm how I am. Let's let's kind of move this around here. Let me grab this is unnecessary, but we're gonna use it anyway. Shout out to Esquilito. Shout out to Engineer Nerd. The IC Robots. Arthur Fonzarelli brand Switchblade. Let's bring it through here. We gotta we gotta make sure we don't cut ourselves, dude. This is a dangerous dangerous blade. You guys saw saw the Mandalorian and they have that one super sword that they're all fighting over. This one is even more deadlier than that. Deadlier by like two or three times. So you can imagine. I got the figure off the card. Very nice slice and dice. It comes packaged inside plastic with another plastic bubble on top. Let's remove that. Let's see if we can bring him out here. Oh, he has a potion. I'm assuming this is the invisibility potion. The character himself the figurine is translucent plastic on his head and on his hands. Now we're going to find out the real deal. Let's roll the sleeves up. Oh, his arms are translucent. I wonder if the rest of him is. Yeah, the back is too. Looks like... Let's check inside here. Yeah, looks like the whole figure is translucent see-through plastic. That's nice. If I, if I made this, I might only make the head to save on money. But who knows if it even costs more do that. It doesn't, probably doesn't, probably just seems that way. The character has a suit, a black suit, and a pair of sunglasses that he wears when he's the Invisible Man, so I guess you can see him or something. I have no idea. He's cool, though. He has the typical Mego articulation, the 1, 2, 3, 14 points, pretty much at every, every place you could want. The main reason that I have him is because I do like a Mego display. On Halloween, I have the Universal Monsters. I got Dracula, I got Nosferatu. The creature's on the way, I think. We're waiting on the creature, and then we got like a werewolf. We got all kinds of them, and we put them up there on the mantle. We take all the mantle stuff off, and we make like, we make like this cool display with them. It's one of the, uh, one of the centerpieces 
of my Halloween stuff. And the Invisible Man was one of the dudes who was missing. So the wife was nice enough to pick him up for me for Christmas. Let's, uh, oh, he has a rubber band in his hand that I didn't notice. And that was what was holding his sunglasses in. Let me, um, let me loop that underneath there so I don't lose these because I lose things all of the time. Got him back in there. So it looks like he's holding them in his hand. It's kind of cool, nice idea, and it's like a like a see-through rubber band, so you don't even like notice it on his uh, in his palm. It took me a while to to get it. I really think this guy's cool. I'm like I'm like right now looking at the meter, the sound meter, as it dips into the yellow and then into the red as I get more and more excited. But I'm like I'm looking through his see-through head, his invisible hand that the colors going through. Very very cool figure. This wasn't one that was like a high. On my list. If I would have seen him over at the Walmart, I would have for sure bought him, but I never did. But he wasn't like, wasn't in him, into him enough to like order him on the online. But the wife, you know, he, she knew I needed him for my set. So she, she got him. Very, very thoughtful gift. You can put the green potion in his hand. This figure has typical Migro quality in that I think like, I think underneath his right arm is loose. But that's... That's something you expect with Amigo, to be quite honest. They have a very, very low price point. I think they're only like $12, $12.99. But with that $12.99 price point, you get like you get like $12.99 worth of quality, if you know what I mean. They look great, but they they do kind of break at the joints from time to time. But they're also easy to repair, so it's not like a big deal or anything. I dig this guy, man. He's gonna he's gonna be cool up there. Let's see. Here's the question. All the Halloween Migos are kept in little baggies in the garage with the Halloween stuff. Do I put him on display until Halloween? Do I put him with my Migos until Halloween? Then when Halloween rolls around, he joins the uh, Halloween stuff? That would be my guess. I don't think I'm mean enough to, like, go and put him in there right now. But maybe I will. Maybe then I'll, I'll do that because then when Halloween comes around, it'll be like getting him all over again. Nah, I'm probably going to put him over there on my Migo shelf. Let's see who's on the Amigo shelf. I got Bruce Lee, Muhammad Ali, Joe Namath, and then I got Norm and Cliff. I think out of the whole first wave, Norm and Cliff from Cheers are like the underrated ones that, uh, I guess, they'd be like wave one and two, the target waves. That would be the uh, underrated figures on there. Cliff and Norm from Cheers. Very cool. I have them looking like they're passed out in the gutter. I have a toilet. And like Norm is leaned up against the toilet, taking a break from uh, all your worries. I hope it helps a lot. But he looks like he's passed out after drinking too many beers. And Cliffy's trying to get him up. But then I also have, like, Johnny Lawrence and Danielson. Daniel LaRusso. The, um, I think this is from NECA. They're on an 8-inch scale. And they're in there as well. And it looks like Johnny Lawrence is kicking. Kicking, uh, Norm while he's passed out on the toilet. That's real typical Johnny Lawrence stuff. The young Johnny Lawrence. He, the older Johnny Lawrence from Cobra Kai, the TV show, seems like... Seems like a nice guy. He's at least trying. Cobra Kai is really something. I'm really enjoying that show. What I, what, I, what I think is cool about it is, like, the show leans in heavily toward nostalgia. Like, for sure, it's a nostalgia show. But they also go out of their way to build new characters. You got Hawk. You got Manuel. You got uh, Daniel-san's daughter. You got the evil Cobra Kai girl. You got, you got all those evil Cobra Kai guys. Then you got, like, and then you got, uh, you got Manuel's friend. The nerdy one who's super annoying. But, like, they're, they're going out of their way to get all these new characters over. But giving you enough, like, Johnny and Daniel-san that you don't feel like you're deprived of these guys at all. Excellent, excellent, excellent show. But back to 
Back to the Invisible Man. He's really dope. He's really dope, dude. I like him a lot. His arm can't really hold the potion up as well as I would like, but you can kind of make it look like you kind of like dip him over a little bit, and it looks like like he's kind of like getting getting faint as he drank the potion and transformed into his uh invisible form. Very, very, very nice. I know I just said that. I've been saying a lot of the same things over again and again and again, and I apologize. So let's, uh, let's move forward into what's next. What did Gino Vega have for lunch yesterday? But before we get there, a quick word from show sponsor, Shasta. We're funky fresh, dressed to impress, and ready to party. Did Gino Vega have one? Yesterday, I R. It is M F G V. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, calling you to let you know what I had for lunch yesterday. What did I have for lunch yesterday? Yesterday, I had donuts for lunch. Donuts. Old-fashioned glazed donut and some plain glazed donut holes. They weren't corporate donuts either. We got them from some local donut establishment, but I'm not exactly sure which one because I wasn't there for the procurement of said donuts. I simply ate them after the fact. Donuts for lunch. Uh, we had to find a new local donut place, actually, because the place we've been going to previously, the guy that runs is a COVID denier and has stayed open the whole time that has people eating in there and stuff like that. It's kind of gnarly. So we moved on to another non-corporate donut establishment whose name I can recall. Maybe I'll figure it out next time. Talk to you soon. All right, this is me, and we're back. Big shout-out to Shasta. Big shout-out to Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, my my man with the plan out there in Napa Valley. I, I have not had a donut in, like, months. I'm not even kidding you. Like, since the last time I posted a picture of a donut on Instagram, I have not had a donut. The... The calorie count does not allow for any kind of jelly-filled sort of dessert. And I, 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 I'm hurting, dude. I want one. I want one bad. I want one right now. I love donuts. Donuts are great. I, I just, uh, I gotta cut them out of my life for a while, I guess. But, uh, big shout out to you, Mr. Gino V, for being able to, like, live within your caloric means. And still afford donuts every every once in a while. I also appreciate the fact that you're staying away from the corporate donuts. We all we all know how I feel about that, and the way that I feel is like this: the the folks who set out to make donuts for us, they get up like super early, like super duper duper early to have those treats ready for the people on the morning commute. And I think that they deserve our respect for that. They deserve our respect for that hard work. I I have a donut shop on the corner. That I love. I have one at Bennett Valley called Crystal's Corner that I love. And the idea of these hardworking folks who are there hanging and clanging in the donut shop every single day getting hurt by, like, the encroachment of a Duncan's. There's a Duncan's over by the uh, Safeway on Calistoga Road. And the idea that, like, one of these places might be hurt by the dry, bland, overly fluffy, flavorless... Dunkin' Donut. It really hurts my heart. It hurts my heart in a, in a, in a bad way, and I'm, I'm glad to see that, by and large, 
The folks in Rinkin Valley are not so much rejecting the Duncan, but they're making the Duncan a small part of their life, and they're still attending the, uh, the Church of the Donut over at Tan's, the Church of the Donut over at Crystal's. I just don't dig those corporate donuts, dude. One time I was, I was over at the donut shop. I was there in the morning. This is when, when 2.0 was, was like righteously small. When you have a small kid in your care, you're always like, you're always looking for things to do. You gotta occupy the time. There's a lot of hours in the day and kids need to be stimulated. You gotta, you gotta get out there and work toward growing like a fully functioning person. So you wanna, you wanna do as many interesting things as you can. One of the things we would do from time to time is like, we would walk over to the donut shop in the corner, order a donut. She would get like an apple juice or something. And we just like watch people go by for a while. The walk there and the walk back are part of the thing. You know, you look at look at cats while you're walking. You check out bugs. You do, you just do those things like that. And one time I was there and the donut guy came up and he's like, oh, do you want to refill on your coffee? And I was like, yeah, yeah, that'd be cool, man. And we, we started... We started talking, and homeboy's like an a- Asian fella, and I was like, hey man, where are you from? You know, where did, uh, where'd you come from? How did you happen to be here in, in Rinkin Valley? And he's like, oh, I'm from Cambodia. And he told me this story of, like, escaping Cambodia on a raft that he made out of barrels, like plastic barrels. Him and his wife and some other people made a raft out of plastic barrels, and they escaped. They got deep enough into the ocean that uh, a ship saw them took them aboard, and they went to France, and they they got amnesty, and they, they eventually made it to America, where they opened up a donut shop, and they get up every morning and make donuts for you. And they are living the American dream. They're working hard. They are working hard. They're getting up making donuts every single day, but the fact that they don't have to be in Cambodia, the fact that they escaped the killing fields, all these things, and they made it here to Rinkin Valley, it's just amazing to me. It's just amazing. It's just a great story, and I feel like a lot of donut shop owners have similar similar tales, similar tales of immigrating to America and finding a way to make it and working hard and living that American dream. And I think that we just gotta, we gotta support them more than we gotta support the evil overlords at Krispy Kreme. We gotta support them more than the evil overlords at Duncan or Winchell's or one of these places. Those places are no bueno as far as I am concerned. Big shout out to Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. I appreciate this food segment. You always come through. You always come through and we need you. And the world needs you more now than ever with this with this mutant invasion going on, it's awful. People are turning to the mutants left and right, but we can fight that. Each and every one of us can fight that just by just by talking to people, just by spreading the ELE, spreading the love, spreading the donuts far and wide. Let's move forward. Next, we're going to talk about uh, baseball cards and stuff. It's always fun. Yes, take a look at these sports cards. But great you to remember great moments of sports. You know that? On the front of each card are full-color pictures. You know that? Special symbols tell you at a glance the contents of all the cards and let you file them as you wish. On the back, dozens of fascinating facts for records. Who broke them and when? You know that. Plus the athlete story, his achievements and setbacks. That next, I tripped into the world of sports trading cards with the rated bookie Bruno. I see a robot. This is me, this is your guy, the Rated Rookie Ruler, Icy Robots, back for another exciting segment called Baseball Card Jones. This is the one where we talk about trading cards, baseball cards, sports cards, things of that sort. Mostly like, mostly like 80s cards, 70s cards, things like that. Things, things I've been purchasing lately, the retro rookie card market is like, it's like way down, dude. The new cards are going through the roof, but the old cards that I like are not doing as well. So I'm able to pick up a lot of things that I like. At a very low price. I'm trying to rebuild my card collection. I got I got one right here. 
I expected to have three cards this week. I bought a couple other ones, but uh, they haven't arrived yet. But I do have this one, and I have something else that's going to be fun. Let me get the scissors out. This isn't the proper job for the uh, Arthur Fonzarelli brand Switchblade. This is this is more of a scissor job. Let me scissor through this. Snip, snip, snip. And we will see what is inside the envelope. I've had this for a while, and I haven't opened it yet. Here is the card in a case. And is there any? Nope. No paperwork. Drop that in the recycling bin. The card that I have in my hand is a 1981 Tops card number 315, the rookie card of one dude that goes by the name of Kirk Gibson. Kirk Gibson at the time was a hotshot rookie for the Tigers. I think that I think that Homeboy got his biggest fame as a Dodger. He hit the famous home run that put the A's to bed back in the Back in the was it 88 World Series, 89 World Series, something, something like that. Let's let's reach over here and find out where baseball's best. The top 1,000 players of all time rates Kirk Gibson. He is on page 144. That makes him he is number 331 of all time 1,000 top players. That's that's not bad, dude. Lots of people have played baseball in their life. Everyone has played some baseball, and out of all the dudes who've ever played in the history of the game. Kirk Gibson is the 331st best. He finished He finished his career with a 286 batting average and 255 homers. He was an MVP in 91. He uh he limped up to the plate and the A's closer quickly got two strikes on him. Then Gibson with one-legged swing hit the next pitch. I remember when that happened. At the time, I was still a Tiger fan. I was still the contrarian Tiger fan who had not yet adopted his hometown Oakland A. So I wasn't really, I wasn't really phased when Gibson hit the homer as far as like having my team get knocked out. I was more amazed that this guy, this guy who wasn't even supposed to be playing, came off the bench, he could barely walk, and he hit a home run against the best closer in all of baseball. It was amazing. It was an amazing sports moment. I gotta, I gotta give it to him. Gibson played football in college, and he kind of, he kind of approached baseball in that kind of a mindset. Dude was always, like, crashing into walls, diving into things. I thought he was really cool. He also had a great mustache, long, flowing hair, big, burly dude. How big was homie? Oh, he was six foot three, 220. Dude was huge. He was enormous. Let's see what kind of, what kind of facts we have on the back of the card. Was an All-American in baseball and football at Michigan State, and he set school football marks for catches, yards, and also touchdowns. So dude was great. As I understand it, there was some NFL interest in him, but he decided to go baseball, which I think, which I think is a good move. Let me get the card box, the blue box of cards. Let me reach over here and get it. I apologize. I'm so far away from the mic. I apologize. Let me open the box, put him in here alongside the other rookies I've recently acquired. Kirby Puckett, Jack Clark, shout out to Gino Vega, the great Jack Clark, Fernando Valenzuela. Timmy Reigns, Alan Trammell. These are all great. All here in my box of fun. I see a King Griffey Jr. there. Let me move that aside. But I also got something else that's fun. I bought a pack of 1986 Topps cards on eBay. They only cost, it cost me like $2.50 to get it shipped to the house. And I might, I might buy more because it's kind of fun to open these up. Let me, um, let me try to... Trying to open it here. It has a blue wrapper. It says Tops Major League Baseball. The real one. It's a wax wrapper, not the kind they have now where it's like plastic and you gotta 
you got to cut into it. Those are cool, though. They protect the cards a little better. But, um, this is neat. Let's see. Oh, here's the gum. Let me shake, shake the gum particles out. This gum is disintegrated beyond belief. It is, like, horrible. Let me move it over here. There's, like, dust. Dust in the wind all over my desk. Now, let's see who who is in the pack here. We got Gino Petrali. Not great. Terry Puel. Rod Skiri. Greg Pryor, Mario Soto, Steve Braun, oh, Jerry Royce. I think Jerry Royce passed away recently, if I'm remembering correctly. Andy McGaffigan, Doug Flynn, Tiger Great, Doug Flynn, Gene Mouch, he's a manager, manager of the Angels, Gary Reedus, Alejandro Sanchez, and Tim Coracone. None of these guys are that great. That's okay, though. We had the fun of opening it. We got the gum. Some of those guys there must be somebody's, like, favorite player. You know, like, Steve Balboni's my favorite player. Gino Petrali has to be somebody's favorite. This year, he played in 42 games, and he got 27 hits. He batted 270. Dude's not bad. He has a 285 lifetime average. Not bad by any stretch. He doesn't have... I mean, four years, he's never hit a home run. What year was he born? He was born in 1959 in Sacramento. He's from Sacramento. That's uh, sort of near where I am. Good for him, though. He made his major league debut in 1978. I was five years old. That was the year my brother was born. And my brother was fighting his way into the earth. Gino Petrelli was fighting off curveballs to get his first major league hit. That was fun, though. I'm going to save the wrapper. Let me close that. Wrap it up. I don't know what to do with these cards, though. They're all... They're all super commons. I think that even, like, I'm not familiar with most of these players. I probably was at the time, but uh, my brain is full of comic book info now. Oh, here's a contest entry. Spring Fever Baseball. Win a trip for four to the 1987 spring training camp of the team of your choice. And you can also buy a special 10-pack uh, of hot rookies and prospects. I would have gone for that. I would have gone for that. Let's, uh, let's move forward into the show. We're going to talk about something else, but first, this. Like when you're catching a knuckleball, a la Gino Petrali, and his record six past balls in one game. The Tigers are finding out that on some days against the knuckleball, you don't have to swing the ball. Our record presents... Our record presents... Our record presents... Hello, boys and girls. This is your Peter Pan storyteller. All right. Here we go. G.I. Joe, the rescue from Adventure Team Headquarters. G.I. Joe. The time, 1800 hours, where G.I. Joe and his buddy Mike are awaiting the arrival of a very important visitor. As the Batmobile roars up to the airfield, a shocking sight meets the eyes of the dynamic duo. There have been a lot of rumors about his enemies at home starting. Come in, 311. Come in, 311. This is G.I. Joe calling 311. Do you read me? Do you read me? Is everything okay? Seems the Scarecrow is operating at the Army Airfield north of Gotham. Then let's go. I'm aching to try my fist on that creep's chin. Less than three hours later, a giant cargo jet goes to a halt in a secret airfield at the edge of the jungle. Hey, Joe, we made it. Nice going, Joe. You saved us. A bomber out of control on the runway. It's probably another illusion. Let's see what happens if I concentrate our radar waves at the plane. 
Well, stop thanking me and get out of that plane before the darn thing explodes! Roger, Joe. <laughs> Yo, I see robots. Grab that mic and kick the math. Alrighty, tidy whitey, this is me and I am back to kick some math in your direction. I think that like I think that out of that whole thing that we just listened to there, the part that um that catches my ear the most is this. Where G.I. Joe and his buddy Mike. So this mic. This Mike character that G.I. Joe is hanging out with, is this, like, another army guy? Is this G.I. Mike? Or is he some, like, rando, rando civilian that Mike is, um, that Joe is hanging out with, rather? I don't know. Inquiring minds would like to know that, though. I, I, I wonder if there is, like, a world of adventures of G.I. Mike out there that I don't know. G.I. Mike, a real American hero. That's... That's wild to think about. Anyway, this this next tale that I have, it probably should have gone into the uh, baseball card section, but it just like it just like came into my head right now. It's something that I've been like digging around for years to find in my head. I'll I'll, I'll fill you in. When I was when I was sophomore year at, at, at Santa Rosa High School, I had this math teacher named Mr. Abbott, and Mr. Abbott was like the nicest guy in the world. Great teacher, great orator. His classes were always fun. He would like. He would, like, not really teach a lot of math, though. That was, like, the gimmick of his course. He wouldn't teach a lot of math. He would just, like, he would just, like, stand in front of the class and tell stories. Stories from his youth, stories from whatever. And he had this this caveat that if anybody says, what does this have to do with math? I am going to immediately stop the story and just begin teaching math. So nobody would ever say anything. We would all just, like, sit here. And listen to him tell stories about being a kid growing up in Santa Rosa, about going to restaurants, about all kinds of things. One of the things he would talk about a lot was the fact that he did not like music. He didn't like music of any sort because he felt like music was music intended only to manipulate your emotions. And he just did not find that to be an acceptable form of, of entertainment. I wonder if you ever watched movies or read books or read anything, but... He stayed away from music, and he would talk about this all the time. And then, you know, you know what he would actually talk about a lot was this restaurant chain named Joe's. I don't, I don't know if that's what it is, but it's like a series of restaurants. There's like Sonoma Joe's. That's the county I live in, Sonoma County. And then there was like Marin Joe's. That's the next county over Marin. Then there was like San Francisco Joe's or something. But there was like, there was like all these different Joe's restaurants based around like the county and... His goal in life was to, like, visit all, all the Joe's restaurants. And whenever he went to one, he would tell us about it on, on Monday. Like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I went to, uh, Mendocino County Joe's. It was, it was delightful. I had mashed potatoes and whatever. He was, he was a great guy, though. His class was always fun, but I'm still weak in math. And I think that it might be because I spent, like, a whole entire year listening to him talk about Sonoma Joe's and how he didn't like music. But one of the, one of the things he did that was, like, really, really cool is he brought an actual factual like, Major League Baseball player into our class. This guy's name was Marshall Brandt, and he was now selling cars in Santa Rosa, and he came in to tell us about, like, car loans and how interest rates work and, and, and all these different things. But when he when he came in, he was introduced as, like, Major League Baseball player Marshall Brandt, now car salesman. And I was just, like, I was blown away. I was just, like, absolutely blown away that, like, I'm sitting right here in my math class looking at, like, an actual honest to gosh, a major leaguer. And when, when the whole thing was done and he told like his whole entire like story of like interest rates, I, I went up and I like jocked him hard. I was like riding the bow like crazy, asking him all kinds of questions about like the major leagues, 
and what it was like and all these things. Because this was like when I was at the peak of my baseball markdom. And this this was just like too good to be true. But what, what happened over the years was like, I remembered that this happened. And I remembered like all the details and talking to him and stuff. But I could not for the life of me remember the guy's name. And then yesterday, I was sitting and I was watching The Undoing on HBO with the wife. The Undoing is really good. If you haven't watched it yet, check it out. It's really, really good stuff. But we're watching that, and then all of a sudden, like, out of the blue, for no reason that I can think of, the word Marshall Brandt popped into my head. So I immediately, like, paused it, Googled him, and found out that there was, in fact, a dude named Marshall Brandt, and that he lives in Santa Rosa, and this was the guy. I couldn't believe it after all these years, just out of nowhere. I wonder what happened in my brain. Like, what neuron, like, all of a sudden popped and released this info into the world. Just, it was amazing to me, but I, I looked him up, and the homeboy, the homeboy played a total of eight games in the major. I'm not making fun. That's great. Making it to the major leagues is the pinnacle. If you're up there for, like, one second, you're the greatest baseball player anybody you know has ever met. You're, like, the best. You're the best of the best. I, I think that's great. He made it for eight games for the Yankees, and then a couple of games for the Oakland A's after that. I, I think that's awesome. And then after that, he went to Japan, and he played for the uh, Nippon Ham Fighters. I've always been, I've always been really into, like, the legend of, like, the Japanese baseball league. I think the idea of, like, a, like, a Western player going over there, giving the shot is just, like, I think that's a really neat story. I love that movie, Mr. Baseball, with Tom Selleck. But I, I did a little, like, dive into the, this guy, Marshall Brandt, and it turns out that, like, at one time, he was in the minors, and this is where it's all going to tie together with things from the past. When he was in the minors, he was like a really hot shot prospect, like a real top prospect. And at the time, the Yankees had three hot first baseman prospects. They had Donnie Baseball himself, Don Mattingly, the eventual, the eventual winner, and then they had Marshall Brandt who I met in Mr. Abbott's basic math class. And the third guy that was behind all of them or ahead of them in all of our hearts. So Steve Bye Bye Balboni. They at one time were all fighting. They were all hanging out, all competing for the first baseman's job. So I met a guy who met Steve Bye Bye Balboni in person. I met a guy who would have to be considered a rival of Steve Bye Bye Balboni. It's amazing. The way the world works, it's crazy. I can't, uh, I can't believe the coincidences sometimes. <laughs> All right, my guys. I think I think that we're pretty much near the end of the show. I'm trying to think if there's there's anything else that I want to touch on before I get all the way out of here. I can't really I can't really think that there is. I talked about baseball cards. I opened up that Mego. We talked to Gino Vega. Everything is everything is going great. This is this is wild. They um they actually factually lifted the stay at home order here in Sonoma County. We've been on this. I'm not even kidding for like a year. It's been like 10 months. I'm not even exaggerating. We've been under like a curfew. Everything has been closed. I realize some of you guys in different states, you have things open or almost pretty much open. But once like back in March, the theaters closed, the gym closed, everything shut down and they have not opened up like even since. Restaurants have like outdoor dining, but we've been under this just like, I don't know, man, stuck at home, stay at home this whole entire time. And I wonder now... With the order being lifted, if we're going to start moving ahead finally, for once, I wonder if we're going to. I wonder if we're going to see the end of stuck at home. I wonder if we're going to see the end of stay at home. Is it, is it time to start thinking about another project? Is it time to start thinking about the future? I think that. I think that on the real tip, if you are still settled in the stuck at home mode like I am, I think this is the time 
when you kind of have to start preparing yourself emotionally and mentally for, like, things to go back to some degree of normal. I think after a while, the vaccines are going to start rolling out, like, pretty hard. I know people who've got them. I know quite a few people who've got them at this point. So I think that, like, I think that we're going to start seeing the beginning of the end after a while. And that's something crazy to even think about because I've adjusted so deeply into, like, being in the house all day and to being here all day that I wonder, I wonder how hard it's going to be to go back to go back to normalcy. I kind of think it might be a little bit hard. I think we might have some kind of adjustments. I'm going to be curious to see how, how society is affected by all this. But I got some good news and I got some bad news for the upcoming week. I'll go with the bad news first. The bad news is I am not going to be here. I have been starting to become crippled by the heaviness of life, by the weight of the world on my shoulders. And I'm going to head deep into the woods. I'm going to head deep out into the green. I'm going to walk the earth for a while. I'm going to going to go out there and see what I can find, try to find myself. But I will be back in one week's time. But don't worry. I'm not leaving you high and dry. We're going to have a first time ever. We're going to have a guest host of the Stuck at Home show next week, the Sausagetarian herself. Sarah Burr is going to be stepping into the microphone spot that I now am in. And she's going to be your host for next week's Stuck at Home show. I think it's going to be really cool. It's going to be really interesting. I'm excited to see what she can uh, what she can come up with. I think it's really, really a neat time to be alive. We got a guest host of the show. She's going to be playing the Joan Rivers to my Johnny Carson, as it were. I, I'm going to get pretty deep out there, man. I'm going to be looking for Bigfoot. I'm going to be doing whatever. You know, I'm starting to think that there might be a pretty good chance that Bigfoot does not exist. I would like it if he did. I wish that he did. I think it's a far more interesting world with Bigfoot out there, but I, I wonder why no one's seen Homie in such a long time. You would think that, like, with the advent of cell phone cameras and stuff, that people would be getting snaps of him all the time, because back in the day, I felt like people were getting snaps of him all the time, and they were just out there in the woods with a Polaroid camera. So, I don't know. I, I'm starting to doubt his existence, which is sad. I'd like to bump into the guy when I'm out there, give him a pound, give him a dap, send him on his way, but it seems like every day there's less and less chance of that happening, so it's with a heavy heart, I might have to say. Bigfoot, they reminisce over you. But, uh, fret not. I am not Bigfoot. I am here. I am real. And I will be back in a couple weeks' time with a new attitude, a refreshed spirit, and an open heart. Until we meet again, this is me, Icy Robots. Do the time! Don't let the time do you. E-L-E. That's right. E-L-E. What does E-L-E stand for? Everybody love everybody. Everybody love everybody. Right there up on the wall. But you gotta believe things are getting better. Birds are migrating again. Rains are back. Everybody love everything. Right, right there, there on the wall. Things are getting better. This has been an IC Robots radio production.